0: Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrow. Thanks for inviting me into your home, Long Haul Truck, RV camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. And a big howdy to all of those listening in on one of our affiliate stations across North America, the podcast, of course, of Talkzone.com. Those of you who listen through the Conspiracy Show app. Those of you who watch the Conspiracy Show on the live YouTube stream, and please take a moment and hit the uh, the red sub button. I need your help to get to 10,000 subscribers as quickly as we can. But incidentally, uh, just a reminder, there is no live YouTube stream tonight. However, and wherever you're listening, I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. And again, I want to remind you that my brand new podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, launched earlier this week. Three new podcasts every week, and I upload those every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can look for it on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, or you can go to ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. There are all sorts of uh, widgets uh, there to help you subscribe on your iPhone and your Android or or RSS feed. And uh again, Conspiracy Unlimited, new episodes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. All right, Christmas, fast approaching. You know, people always ask, are you ready for Christmas? And the answer is always the same, no. <laughs> but it doesn't matter, right? It comes whether we're ready or not. But I do love Christmas. And one of the, my favorite things around this time of year is to get Rosemary Ellen Guiley on the program and talk about angels. I always have associated Christmas with angels. Of course, angels were present at the birth of Jesus Christ. It was an angel who announced to the shepherds in the field in Bethlehem that the king was to be born that night, the light of the world, the, the prince of peace. And a few years ago, I think it was 2015 actually, Rosemary put together a wonderful book on the subject titled Calling Upon Angels. How Angels Help Us in Everyday Life. Rosemary is a regular contributor to The Conspiracy Show. She's the author or co-author of, I think it's over 70 books now, covering the paranormal, spiritual matters, all things meta, many of them major encyclopedic works, and her website is VisionaryLiving.com. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, welcome once again to The Conspiracy Show. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Richard, and season's greetings to you.
0: Likewise, likewise. A very Merry Christmas. So let's talk angels, because in that book, as I recall, like right out of the chute, you offer up an amazing example of how angels can intercede on our behalf, help us in our daily lives. This was a case out of, uh, I believe, New Jersey, not too far from where you are, an electrician who, by all accounts, should have just been you know, dead as a doornail, were it not for, according to him anyway, uh, the uh, the intercession of an angel. Tell us about that story.
1: Uh, it really is an astonishing story, and many like it, where people feel they have literally been rescued from the brink of death by an angelic force or some mysterious, mysterious spiritual force. And uh, Robert uh, was an electrician, and um, he was working in a mill, and managed to grab a hold of a 440 volt wire that he didn't realize was live and that's enough to kill a person and of course when you, when you are uh, in contact with uh, that high voltage if you're, if you're touching it you can't let go um, and the electricity literally fries you on the inside uh, and he had this thought crossing through his head um, that he didn't want to die uh as you know he's feeling this force and suddenly it seemed that somebody or something from behind ripped him away from the wire now uh, in a case like this anyone who would touch him would then be affected by the electricity as well so that's what make the makes these situations so dangerous right, right how do you get someone in the crucial seconds how do you get someone off the wire and so he feels a pair of hands grab him around the waist, and pull him off. So, of course, at first, he thinks that, miraculously, one of his co-workers did it, but nobody touched him. And uh, so his conclusion was that he had been saved by an angel. It literally felt like a pair of hands that had uh, rescued him from a... Uh, a fatal experience
0: I think his co-workers offered up a a more prosaic explanation they thought maybe he, his brand new shoes I guess he had uh, shoes with rubber soles on them or something uh, that perhaps they had uh, prevented him from being electrocuted because they insulated him
1: that's right and of course um, there's always an, a search for a natural explanation um, you know people are kind of dumbfounded by these events and the first thing they think of is well you know how do we explain this and uh, still um, rubber soled shoes didn't quite explain it now he was treated for third degree burns he even lost um, uh, one of his little fingers uh, for gangrene and uh, he developed psoriasis uh, and interestingly Uh, where the psoriasis patches appeared around his waist, it was like the imprints of hands. Wow. And that, for him, that reinforced, uh, that he had had some sort of divine intervention. Uh, so, uh, I've collected so many stories like this over the years, Richard, where people have, uh, they've been in near car accidents, they've felt steering wheels, uh, yanked out of their hands like uh, invisible hands come down, start steering for them to, to save them from a terrible accident. Uh, people have been saved from drowning, from falling, um, and they literally feel a physical force, like something physical has picked them up uh, or pulled them off uh, at uh, at the last possible second. And we attribute these interventions to angels.
0: I've always been um, curious as to where angels uh, come from. I, I, you know, in the Christian tradition, they are they are created along with humans by God. Separate from humans, they're not human. Um, but where do they reside? I mean, are they are they earthbound? Are they? Do they descend from the clouds? Uh, is there an, an angelic realm which is sort of equivalent to a so one of the hyper dimensions. Where do they reside?
1: Well, of course, in ancient times, they literally were up in the sky because that's where heaven was, and so um, there would be, um, you know, images of angels coming down from the sky and that sort of thing. Uh, in modern terms, we can describe them as being um, residents of uh, other dimensional, uh, other dimensional realms, non-physical realms. Uh, one explanation would be the astral plane. Um, angels have no body, but they can appear as though they have bodies, and they exist in these uh, realms very close to Earth. Well, that sort of fits in with uh, one of the models of quantum physics that holds that there are parallel worlds um, stacked up on top of each other um, next to Earth and uh, maybe even up to 11 of them and uh, that these parallel worlds would have uh, versions of ourself in it maybe other beings there might be doorways between these realms so um, the abode of angels certainly has um, altered in time as our understanding of, of the cosmos has changed but they are otherworldly and yet they have access to earth
0: Rosemary Ellen Guiley, my guest here on The Conspiracy Show, uh, the author of, uh, oh, just too many books to list, Ouija Gone Wild, uh, The Art of Black Mirror uh, Scrying, The Gin Connection, Haunted by Things You Love, um, the, the, the the most recent one, which combined traveling and the paranormal, The Road to Strange. Uh, right now, of course, we are talking angels, calling upon uh, angels. Yeah, I, I learned something from your book that I didn't realize. I learned a lot of things from your, your, your books, but one thing I was totally unaware of was that the idea of angels, even within the church, sort of fell out of favor. It was almost, as you point out, they were embarrassed to talk about angels. When did that happen, and then when did it change?
1: Well, angels have risen and fallen in, in cycles over history, um, as as the Church has considered them important or not. And um, probably the first big um, um, demotion of angels happened in the Reformation, uh, where the Protestants split off from the Catholics. And uh, in that split, um, the emphasis of, on angels was uh, diminished in favor of um, a tougher line, a harder line, that um, brought more of the you know the demonic and the satanic influence in that uh, these were the horrors that would await you if you sinned, um, and um, during uh, Victorian times, uh, angels enjoyed a bit of a renaissance. Uh, but it was in connection with death. There was so much death and mourning on a daily basis in Victorian times, and angels were guardians of the soul. They were um, the shepherds who took us to the afterlife and so angels were uh quite popular in that regard as uh, funerary um, monuments uh decorating um, uh, you know death notices and and things like that uh, angels were considered to be very stern uh in Victorian times and um, were not um, cheerful pleasant beings uh that you know they might come to warn you about your wicked ways rather than um, be um, uh, more cheerful and and happy and uh helpful as as we consider them today well on into the 20th century um, in modern times angels had another falling out in popularity and uh i th- i think it was just the you know our switch into a more uh, scientific uh technology driven world uh things like angels became more fantastic uh, something that was associated with um, oh the old days back in the Bible um, they don't really exist they're just sort of devices to help explain stories and um, in the um, uh, around the mid 20th century um, there were theologians uh, who, were even uh, reluctant to talk a lot about angels, and people didn't come forward with their experiences because uh, they were afraid of ridicule, much like uh, UFO contactees are afraid of ridicule today. Now, this is interesting because, um, on, on the other hand, in the mid-20th century, we, we have a, a pope. In fact, we have two popes, one in the early 20th century and one in mid-20th century, who advocated... Um, believing in angels and cultivating a relationship with your guardian angel. Uh, and those were uh, Pope Pius XI and XII. Uh, and uh, uh, yet, in the popular media, uh, angels were considered devices. They were fantasy devices. But that changed around the 1990s. And I think this was kind of an outflow of what started in the '60s with an interest in spiritual things and meditation, metaphysics, um, probing the meaning of life, um, led to in the '90s uh, a, a renaissance of angel literature, angel experiences, um, and um, you know more people coming forward about their stories. And uh, believing in angels, I think we need to believe in angels, Richard, because they are, uh, from the beginning, uh, they are and were intended to be intercessors uh, to the divine, uh, to be able to help humanity. And uh, when people feel powerless, when they feel disenfranchised, when they lose their way, we do need uh, uh, some sort of... Um, A spiritual resetting of our compass and angels are one of the perfect uh, intercessors to help us do that.
0: Hundred percent, and we need them now uh, more than ever. I believe in angels. I also believe in fallen angels. I believe in demons. I believe in an unseen world. But we're talking angels tonight as we approach Christmas. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, my guest, visionaryliving.com, the website, and check out this book. Check it out on her uh, her online store. What a wonderful Christmas present this would be. Calling upon angels. Be right back. More of my conversation with Rosemary right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Keeping an eye on the new world order. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarratt. We are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley, VisionaryLiving.com, the website. And tonight we're talking angels calling upon Angels. Uh, Share with us another story of uh, an angel interceding in in, uh, someone's life, Rosemary.
1: Well, one of the stories that struck me the most that I put in Calling Upon Angels, it was another rescue story. And uh, it was about um, a woman who was in the hospital with a respiratory uh, condition. And she would have these uh, kind of seizures or episodes where she couldn't get her breath. And uh, to the point where, where uh, she was in danger of passing out, and so she would have to, uh, you know, summon help. And uh, so she has one of these attacks, and um, a nurse comes in, kind of storms in, all business like, and uh, tells her how to get her breath back by uh, clamping her hand over her, um, her nose or her mouth. And, um giving her instructions on how to regain her breathing. And she's very stern about it and barks these commands out. And then as, as soon as the patient has recovered, the nurse, uh, kind of storms back out. And, uh, the woman was very grateful for her help because, uh, she thought, wow, this is such, why didn't someone tell me this technique before? I, I wouldn't be struggling so much. So, she wants to find out who this nurse is to thank her, and nobody knows who the nurse is. Uh, there's no nurse by that description, um, no nurse uh, on the floor that, that um, matched uh, the description that the woman gave. And so she came to the conclusion that she had been helped by an angel as well. And in angel literature, this is a phenomenon. Uh, it has a name, and it's called the Mysterious Stranger. And uh, the circumstances are that somebody finds themselves in an emergency situation of any kind, uh, and suddenly a person, male or female, appears on the scene very quickly, knows just what to do to rectify uh, the situation, doesn't say a whole lot, just what is needed, disappears abruptly, and then no one can ever find them again. Uh, if, they, if they try and, and trace them down. So um, another dramatic, and if, if we have time for another story, yes, um, another, another one like that, 2013, there, there was a young woman, um, I think she was about 19 years old, she was in a very bad car accident, and she was pinned, she was injured and pinned in her car, this happened in Missouri and uh, the uh the police blocked off the highway 2 miles away from the accident and rescue workers were trying to extricate her from the wreckage and her vital signs were failing uh so it was getting rather dire and she actually was afraid that she was going to die as well and she asked some uh if there was someone who could uh pray with her and um, a voice and the crowd says, I will. And suddenly, out of nowhere, there's this priest. And he's an older man, he has silver hair, and um, no one had noticed him before. Uh, he steps forward and he starts to pray uh, with the young woman. And not only that, he starts giving instructions to the rescue workers how they can get her out of the wreckage. And while he's doing that, equipment arrives. Um, I think it's a device called the Jaws of Death or something like that. Jaws where of Life, it,
0: right? The Jaws, the jaws of, of Life. life. Thank
1: yes. you. Yes, that uh, it, you know, the, it it gets people out of of crush uh, wreckage situations. And so she was uh, rescued, and nobody had seen this priest. Many photographs taken of this scene, no priest whatsoever in any of these photographs. So uh, speculation, uh, it goes viral all over the world. You know, an angel saved this woman. Well, uh, about a, a week or two later, a real priest came forward and said that uh, he was responsible for it. But he had no explanation for how he got past the two-mile perimeter cordon of the police. He said he'd been driving by saw the accident, and went to see if he could help. Well, the road was blocked off two miles away. And no one saw him parking his car, walking across the field. No police officer stopped him. Uh, no photograph shows him. So, personally, I think the church, for whatever reason, wanted a natural explanation for this, and it puzzles me why. I think she was rescued by an angel I agree who manifested you. in the form of a priest.
0: Fabulous fabulous story rosemary uh the the hierarchy of angels um i you'll have to help me out with this because i re, i remember of course the, the seraphim and the cherubim and the and the uh, then the archangels uh but then there's there's something i don't know like nine different orders help me fill in the blanks uh we do we start with the archangels at the top they're at the very top are they not
1: well, uh no, actually they're the second from the lowest.
0: Oh. So sh- shows you how much I know. All right. So who is who's, who's, who's <laughs> well, at the top? The Seraphim? <laughs> uh
1: the Seraphim are at the top. Right. Yes. And um, there there are actually a number of hierarchies of angels and the one we know the best is uh a nine-level hierarchy and it is credited to uh a man uh known as the Pseudo-Dionysius and Pseudo, not because he was a false figure, but he's often confused with the biblical figure, who was also called Dionysus. But uh, he lived in either the 5th or 6th century in Syria, and, and he was steeped in Platonic philosophy, and he created this uh, this hierarchy. And the idea is that uh, the heavens mirror the earth, and the earth mirrors the heavens. So as things are organized on one level, they, they are uh, on the other. And so if earth is organized, then heaven must be organized as well. So the seraphim are at the top, and um, their their name actually means uh, uh, carriers of warmth, uh, fire makers. Uh, sometimes they're even called fiery serpents because of, of the nature of their energy. Um, but they are so close to God that hum- human consciousness um, is said not to be able to comprehend them at all. And their purpose is to hold um, uh, the energy of creation and uh, literally the energy of God. And um, um, the idea of the hierarchy is the energy of each level sort of trickles down to the next level and trickles down trickles down till we get down to the lowest, which is angels, um, which... Um, sort of retranslates all this energy in a way that human beings at this dense physical level can absorb and understand. So the seraphims supposedly have very little to do directly with human beings because uh, they are concerned with um, holding uh, the field of creation.
0: Are they the and ones underneath- with, are they the ones with all the, the, uh, the different eyes on their wings?
1: Um, both the cherubim and the seraphim are described that way. Oh, okay. And um, one, one of the things that I found when I was researching angels, um, and it got kind of maddening because there was such an overlap in descriptions. There would be overlaps in um, the descriptions of the angels themselves. Um, angels uh, would have uh, different names but the same duties. And uh, when you get into the ranks of, of fallen angels, there would be angels who seem to be both, like they were two-sided, you know. Um, and uh, it's, it gets to be a lot to sort through. But yes, the seraphim, um, the many eyes uh, represent sort of the all-seeing eyes of God. They see in all directions, and they see everything in creation. Um, the cherubim, underneath them, um, are keepers of knowledge. And uh, these are the beings who uh, are, are said to have guarded the gates of Eden with flaming swords uh, to keep um, outsiders out. And when Adam and Eve fell from grace, uh, it was uh, a cherub that drove them out of Eden. And um, so on a human level, uh, the cherubim represent um, knowledge of God and also the power to know and see God. So uh when we do a lot of spiritual searching we might be coming into contact with some trickle down karabim uh, energy
0: Trickle down karabim I love it <laughs> sounds a little bit like trickle down economics
1: Well uh actually there have been cases on record of individuals who feel that they have been in contact with karabim um, I think uh, Teresa um uh Teresa of Avila uh, had some angelic experiences and she described one of them as uh, a carob and um, he had a bow and arrow and uh, sent the arrow into her heart which um, instigated a mystical
0: experience
1: uh, where she was swept up into the fiery rapture of god uh but she described it as a cherub a, a carob angel
0: hmm. what's after so, the after the uh, cherubim
1: uh, the We have then the thrones, and the thrones are literally the chariots of God. They're they're like the vehicle God rides around in, so to speak.
0: Ah, all right. Uh, if Interesting.
1: You know God gets around the heavens. You know, He rides on the thrones, and uh, so uh, they also have many eyes, and uh, they're often described as wheels. Um, Ezekiel's vision of of the um, uh, four mysterious creatures in a chariot with omnidirectional wheels um is uh, often interpreted as throne
0: energy. Interesting. Um, so it, that, is it possible then the, the modern day UFO phenomenon, those that aren't you know highly sophisticated US aircraft, they could be thrones?
1: The thrones have been compared to UFOs because of, of the circular shape and the wheels and the, um, the fact that they access the, the cosmic realms, Um, Yes, many comparisons, and and, and in fact, um, uh, even angels have been compared to extraterrestrials and extraterrestrial visitors. We have modern experiences today where people um, encounter beings, and uh, if they don't have any orientation to ufology whatsoever, but they know about angels and maybe even have some spiritual beliefs or religious beliefs in them, uh, they might interpret uh, these visitors as angels rather than ETs. And that was the case with Betty uh, Lucas, um, who um, then remarried and became Betty Luca uh, Andreasen. Mm, yes. Um When she had her first encounters, uh, she thought they were angels. It depends upon how the beings present themselves. You know, if they seem to be otherworldly and glowing, and um, they walk through walls. Um, not all of these otherworldly visitors are little graves with big black bug eyes. <laughs> um, so there's um, there's quite a bit of blurring and overlap there, um, and um, um, we may uh, actually uh, be um, incorporating. The biblical angel into our modern ufology
0: interesting as well. Interesting. I mean, my when I think of of, of angels based on the on the in the Bible, uh, you know, I'm thinking of these tall, incredibly beautiful um, um, creatures, and and we hear again in the abduction phenomenon, we hear people talk about the tall whites, we hear people talk about the Nordics. So, they may be describing angels.
1: It's quite possible. And uh, in fact, a, a lot of um, uh, people in recent surveys uh, have described their contact experiences as, as being with energy beings, um, that they have um, not a corporeal looking form, but something that's more diaphanous, which sounds like an angel but yet um, could be uh, something of an interdimensional or extraterrestrial nature.
0: All right, Rosemary, so, s- stay put. We'll uh, take a time out, come back. A short segment awaits. We'll uh, maybe work down the uh, the ladder of the hierarchy of angels. We'll talk about archangels, arch- guardian angels, and we'll hear some more fabulous stories from Rosemary's collection of uh angelic intercessions calling upon angels rosemary ellen guiley right here on the conspiracy show don't go away exploring theories uncovering facts and offering a different view of the universe this is the conspiracy show with richard sarat calling upon angels is uh, the book rosemary ellen guiley joins us once a month uh, to discuss all things paranormal, metaphysical, and as we approach Christmas, what better time to talk about angels? So we talked about the seraphim, the the cherubim. Uh, then we talked about thrones, and uh, so what's next on the uh, in, in the hierarchy after thrones?
1: Well, then we get into the middle tier of angels, and the hierarchy of nine levels is broken into three tiers. So you know we've talked about the three highest. Uh, tears that um, would have very little direct contact with humans. Now in the middle sphere, we get into angels uh, that embody a lot of characteristics that human beings would relate to more on a daily basis. For example, the dominions, uh, which would come, they're also called the dominations. Um, they regulate uh, duties and chiefly the duties of angels, but um, they're also associated with the quality of mercy. Uh, they're kind of governmental in nature, so they're organizers, uh, and they uh, they keep the clocks of, of the cosmos running. And below them come the powers. Um, now, they also have alternate names as well. Authorities would be um, a very well-known alternate name. And um, they have a lot to do with the battle between good and evil. Um, they also govern uh, the powers of nations on earth. Uh, they're about the right use of power, uh, and um, they often uh, serve as, uh, as spirit guides. Um, they are sometimes said to guide the deceased to the other, other side. So, we could look upon the powers as models of uh, how to use your power well for right or wrong.
0: So, would they uh, attempt to interfere or manage geopolitical events, for example? Maybe one of these powers, one of the hierarchy of angels, would they try to influence a a Vladimir Putin or a Kim? uh um, the um, rocket man, as Trump calls him, from North Korea? Would they try and influence them to do the right thing?
1: Well, it's not the role of angels to meddle. Um, and so they are said to be, and I do believe this, uh, they are uh, limited in their ability to influence the affairs of human beings. When they are petitioned and called upon, then they can exert an influence. So um, yes they could uh, uh they could influence uh, someone their role of course would be to influence for harmony and for good to keep uh to keep the dark side to keep chaos evil destruction those those forces uh at bay uh, but as we know we have plenty of that on the planet and mm-hmm. uh, I think that there are dark forces that are invoked as well. So it's it's a constant um, balancing act um, uh, between the two sides, and uh, the powers would be uh, very involved in that.
0: All right, what's below and then the, the powers?
1: The, um, the powers, right? And then the um, the last ones there uh, in the middle range are the virtues. And uh, these are angels that are associated with miracles, with healing, um, with um, kind of inner qualities that we need to uh, to overcome obstacles, courage, strength, um, and um, uh, fortitude. Um, we can appeal to the virtues to help us bring out all of those qualities. So the middle level. Um, is more accessible to us. Most of the time, people are dealing with angels and archangels, but uh, I do believe that we have access to these other realms uh, where the angels are uh, literally models of, um, of the high road for human beings, and we can call upon them to help us embody those same characteristics, strengths, and attributes within us.
0: So that's, those are the first two spheres in the hierarchy. So then we come to the final sphere. And where do we have, uh, what do we have here?
1: Well, we have the principalities, and uh, they also look after earthly affairs, uh, cities, nations, even religions. Um, And uh, like the um, uh, dominion, or not the dominions, like the powers, they have a sort of governing. Uh, abilities. And um, I would say they are a more accessible level of the right use of power. Now, the lower two um, levels and so we think of angels as exalted beings, mighty exalted beings, and we're actually dealing with the lower two levels most of the time. That's the archangels fascinating. and the angels.
0: Why don't we? Uh, why don't we take a quick time out? When we come back, we'll get to the archangels, uh, because as you say, those are the the ones that we have the most dealings with. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, the author of Calling Upon Angels, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. The world is being pulled over your eyes. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sand. We are back with Rosemary Ellen Guiley here on The Conspiracy Show. Her website, VisionaryLiving.com. Again, the book, Calling Upon Angels. Now, we're uh, in that third sphere in the hierarchy of angels. And these are the ones you say that we, that we humans have the most dealings with. And uh so, wh- where have we arrived at the archangels yet, or is there still one above?
1: Um, no, we're at the archangels. The All principalities right. are the ones right above the archangels. And um, uh, the most familiar archangels are uh, Michael, Gabriel, and, and uh, Raphael. Right. And uh, uh, nobody knows exactly how many archangels there are. Uh, they are, uh, again, interfaces to God. Uh, but not on the level of of the uh, much, much higher realms. Um, sometimes they're described as seven, that, that there are seven archangels who stand in the presence of God, have the ability to literally be in the presence. Um, numbers differ depending upon the theologian. These are all very visionary kinds of models and descriptions um, over the centuries. The ones that we know the best uh, come from uh, the from the Bible uh, and also from books outside the Bible. But the Bible actually only names uh, two, and that's Michael and Gabriel. And uh, Raphael is named in the Catholic canon in the Book of Tobit, which is not in the Protestant Bible. Um, and uh, so all the other names of angels and archangels come from books outside the Bible, and the archangels. Uh, Again, embody sort of higher level qualities. For example, um, Michael is about the fight against good and evil, but he's a street fighter, uh, <laughs> and you he's, know, he's got the sword. <laughs> he's got the sword and the shield. Um, he's he's the force you call on when you're really in the thick of it, you know, uh, dealing with any kind of adversity, any kind of problem. And um, he also, in in lore, weigh, weighs the souls of the dead, uh, and um, is a valiant um, kind of epitome of a of, of fighter against evil. When you say he
0: weighs the souls of the dead, does that mean? I mean, what does that mean in terms of judgment? It sounds like we're all going to line up and get our meeting a one some FaceTime with Michael then. <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, personally, I don't think there is any, you know, weighing of the souls myself, but he's often presented that way in lore and also in art. In fact, in art, he's often shown holding a scale and with the, the sinners uh, weighing down the scale and the good souls uh, weighing up. So it's part of the, the uh, sorting the wheat from the sh- uh, chaff uh, in the afterlife, uh, you know, part of the final judgment. Uh, he is uh, one of the most important angels said to escort uh, souls to the afterlife. He is often associated with the angel of death. Um, and Gabriel uh, is the angel who comes to Mary to announce uh, the birth of Jesus. Right. And so Gabriel represents purity, uh, awakenings, um, beginnings, uh, the herald of something new uh, coming in. Uh, Raphael is associated with healing, and in the book of Tobit, um, he teaches a young man by the name of Tobias how to um, exorcise demons uh, by using the smoke gall of fish, and uh, also how, which is a healing process because uh, Tobias does that to uh, heal an affliction of a young woman whose um, husbands are murdered on their wedding mm. night by this demon. Oh dear. Um, and so Raphael is associated with healing, and he's often shown with a fish. Um, so there are other archangels as well, but but they, um, again, we look to archangels to see a bigger picture um, concerning ourselves and our relationship to God. Uh, the angels are our personal level. That's where we find the guardian angels, angels who come and help us with paths or to get through Uh, rough patches in life. I think um, angels come and go in our lives as we go through changes and challenges. Um, I do believe in guardian angels, that we have um, at least one, maybe more, um, of these uh, spiritual beings who are with us from birth to death, and maybe even from lifetime to lifetime.
0: Guardian angels are uh, fascinating to me. It's not something I learned about in church. I don't know if guardian angels are, are uh, even part of Christian doctrine. Are they? Do you know? Well,
1: um, there um, there were these two popes um, in Pope Pius XI and XII who had a lot to say about guardian angels. In fact, in 1950, Pope Pius XII issued uh, an encyclical where ah. Uh, He told people to believe in their guardian angels, uh, because um, the guardian angels will help you if you believe in them, and the more you believe in them, the more they will help you, but they have to be asked. Uh, And um, then we have another Catholic order, the um, uh, Angelorum Sanctorum, uh, which fosters belief in angels uh, and encourages people to, to form relationships with them. But, um, uh, you know, it just may vary a lot today. Um, I mean, just look at the dark side. We have um, um, many priests, for example, who don't deal with the dark side, uh, don't, don't even want to get involved in it, and, you, and others that will. And that seems to be the case with, with angels, the emphasis on angels today. A
0: lot of people uh, think that guardian angels are are relatives that have passed on, but th- that can't be right. I mean, uh, angels are an entirely different creation, right? Though, our guardian angels are not dead relatives, right?
1: Well, technically, no. But I think that uh, our ancestral dead can become like angels. And I get stories like this all the time, where people lose uh, a loved one, um, you you know, a parent. It's usually a parent, an aunt, uncle, a grandparent, and they feel that that person remains close to them in a guiding sort of way. So it's like they take on a mantle like a guardian angel, but they don't become angels themselves. I really do believe that angels are entirely separate from human beings. uh, And um, that we do not become angels once we pass to the other side.
0: You've had some angelic experiences in your own life. Tell me about one.
1: Well, I had some remarkable ones <clears throat> in the uh, 1980s. I was, and uh, uh, the presence is still with me in in different ways. But uh, I was doing a lot of intense spiritual study. Um, I was meditating, taking classes and courses, reading, writing. And I think that when you focus your intention so intently that way, uh, you're bound to have some sort of breakthrough of experience. And uh, I started having these lucid dream encounters with a being that was an angel to me. I called her Silver Lady because... Uh, she appeared in flowing, uh, what appeared to be like flowing silvery uh, garments, and um, she was a benevolent figure and a teacher, and I received a lot of instruction from her. I was taken places, otherworldly places, uh, telepathic communication, and it all fit in with the study that I was doing. Uh, and um, she had no face. Um, I only saw her face once, and it was just a swirl of kind of iridescent color, a very kind of opalescent color, a little bit lighter than Mother of Pearl. Hmm. Uh, and, Sounds like a light um, being.
0: Like a light being.
1: Like a light being. And my interpretation, and this is an example of how we subjectively interpret our experiences, the only framework that I could fit her in was Angel. Uh, I didn't consider her to be an extraterrestrial. She didn't have quite those categories. Uh spirit being um it to me it didn't fit. The only thing that fit was angel. And I had these experiences for uh quite a while. I couldn't make them happen. Uh, they were always pleasant. Um but they ended in a very interesting episode that was very physical for me. And uh, I woke up um, in the middle of the night, literally in the middle of the night and silver lady was standing almost like an apparition would stand uh, beside the bed. She was beside the bed, however, um, not at the foot of the bed, and um, this energy was streaming out of her fingers. Uh, she had a human form, and she was bent over me, and this energy was coming out of her hands into me it was it was a, today we call it a download and back in the 80s that that term hadn't caught on for this kind of infusion in um, eastern mysticism it's called shakti when it uh, you get a transmission of energy from a a human teacher uh to a student but uh i felt like i was just being downloaded by this tremendous energy bits of information and um, I couldn't quite grasp it all. I was like filling up like a gas tank <laughs> and I I couldn't, I had no control over it. I wasn't afraid, but I, I, this thought occurred to me like, how can I accommodate all this? Because I was filling up and then it's, stopped as suddenly as it started and she vanished and I had no more of those lucid teaching dreams.
0: I would love, uh, imagine a lot of listeners would love to be able to find out who their guardian angels are and even communicate with them. I only have about 60 seconds. Give us some tips on how we can find out who our guardian angels are and then how, how we can reach out to them.
1: The best way is through prayer and meditation. Many people will find the names of their angels Simply by entering a prayerful state or a meditative state and asking for their guardian angel to make um, make themselves known, um, and whatever name arises first uh, within you is the name. Uh, it doesn't have to be a biblical name; it could be um, uh, even something more common today. But that's the best way to make the connection.
0: And then, if you you ask for their intercession, for their help, you 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 pray as well and. I mean, how how likely is it that that you that you'll get to see your guardian angel? Uh,
1: I think um, uh, most people do not see their angels, but they feel their angels. They might feel a palpable, tangible presence around them, even like someone putting their hands on their shoulders. Uh, angels uh, will often give signs. Um, feathers are a very common manifestation. Coins. Um, If you pay attention to synchronicities, uh, I think the angelic realm communicates in that way quite often. They will appear in dreams uh, and I've had a number of uh, visual experiences with angels and they're pillars of light that are very, uh, they're so bright you can't look directly at them and they probably step their energy down uh, quite a bit uh, even for that.
0: Rosemary? Merry Christmas to you and Joe. All the uh, the best of the new year as well. And thank you so much for spending some time with us.
1: Well, thank you, Richard. And I'll talk to you in the new year.
0: Indeed. Happy New Year. Thank you. Rosemary Ellen Guiley, VisionaryLiving.com. Back next week with a brand new program. Our live YouTube stream will be back as well. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light what I say in a whisper. Proclaim from the housetops. We'll move over Aphrodite, day. I'm coming home. Good night.